splendid. Hello, Woodland Hills. How you doing? Hello, pod listeners. We love you. Hello, people from the TV. We love you, too. Getting rid of these things here. We don't need them. Uh, we're going to do something a little different today. Uh, oh, by the way, I'm Greg. I'm the pastor here, senior pastor here. One of these things. Oh, you need another chair? Oh, sorry. 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 Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm the pastor here. I preach here, but I'm not going to preach today. You know, you're sick of hearing me preach. I'm here sick of hearing me preach. We're going to do something a little different. We have a distinguished panel of guests here. We're uh, doing this thing on economics, kingdom economics, how to bring our finances under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And Lord knows we need a lot of help in that area. So uh, I'm pretty much tapped out on the little bit of wisdom I had around this. I gave it the last two weeks. So we're going to rely here on some folks who uh, are, are kind of experts here. This is sort of a, it looks sort of like uh, the, the newlywed game. Although, <laughs> want to use Mormon, okay? It's just not working out here. But, uh, so... <laughs> So we're going to be asking them questions. You guys are mailing in a lot of good questions about finances and stuff, really practical stuff, the stuff I'm not very good at. So um, we're, we're going to take some of these questions and uh, just ask our, our guests here to speak on them. This is Nancy and Bill over on the far right. I, I met them. Uh, they, they haven't attended church here for a long time, great people. Uh, but we got talking the other day in Subway. And you want to be careful when you talk to me about anything because you might end up on stage like these guys. So they, they were telling me about some of their experience and I thought, man, that'd be a good thing for us to hear. So we asked them to be on the panel. This is Sue and uh, she, this is Sue, the fan club over there. It's not a competition, you guys. Okay. Sue's going to win for sure, man. She's got it going on. But she, she's uh, 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 kind of an expert on financial things, but uh, she also has a small group. Uh, and has doing some real cool stuff um, that we want her to kind of share. And then here's Brad, our, our, our financial wizard. <laughs> I don't know, Sue's a little bit more there. Yeah. Here's hi, the Brad crowd again. Come on, let's bring it on. So, okay. Uh, but Br- Brad is, uh, works with our, uh, our, our Good Sense financing course and uh, is uh, uh, financial advisor. has got some expert on that, so he'll, he'll be sharing that. And this is Mary, who's on staff here. Oh, yes. All right, Mary wins. And weighing in at, how many pounds is it now? Um, Mary's been on staff here for um, oh, a long time. Should we talk about hairlines? Yeah, yeah, shut up. <laughs> Mary and I. Or dancing. Watch it. Mary and I have been each other's nemesis here for a good 10, 11, 12 years. Uh, she's, uh, our nickname is Spunky Chihuahua. We got a lot of nicknames for her. But she also heads up our whole benevolence ministry and uh, does a great job there. So uh, she's going to be, you know, she, she teaches in the course. Uh, so uh, she's going to be uh, giving us some of her wisdom as well. All right. So let's start with a prayer. And then we'll get into this. Holy Spirit, guide our conversation. Mm-hmm. Speak through us and open up our ears and hearts. Everybody in this auditorium, listening through podcasts or any other means, Lord, we just pray that you'd be glorified here and, and uh, help us to take the pieces that are shared, especially the ones that are pertinent to our situation, and apply them. Holy Spirit, help us not to forget them. Let us go deeper than the head and get into the crevices of the heart. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, first question here. Uh, my, my wife and I live paycheck to paycheck on one income. We've always tried to live within our means, but we're barely getting by. We aren't able to save for emergencies, and we know that's not very wise. Is it foolish to consider moving into an apartment to reduce our costs? Our son and daughter have only known life 
and a house with a backyard and pets. So they're clearly concerned about them. I've asked Bill and Nancy to start with this one and share some of your experience, what happened, what, kind of God, what, what God did in your life, okay. uh, and how that set you free from some stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, Nancy and I, we spent 20 years raising our family in our first home. And uh, I think like a lot of other young couples with growing families, we bought the most house that we could, which meant we couldn't afford to buy furniture or to go on vacation or even go out to eat. And that created a lot of stress. And we struggled for a few years before we could really afford those things again. But we kind of fell right back into that trap again, that American beast thing that Greg's been talking about, where we just spend up to our limits of our income. And we did things like we refinanced our home a couple times, and we took cash out to, to buy the kids dental braces and to replace our cars and, and to uh, finance our college expenses and uh-huh. such. But, uh, and we were basically just living paycheck to paycheck without really saving anything. And uh, as long as I had my job, that was okay, but it was really stressful because I was the sole financial uh-huh. provider for our family. Um, and I just remember praying, you know, God, there's got to be a better way to live. And it just so happens at that time, Greg was teaching on simplifying our, our lifestyles, which meant kind of for us getting out of the rat race that society kind of, we allow ourselves to get sucked into. And some of us overcommit our time and some of us overcommit our finances so that we don't have anything left over for God or, or other people. And some of us do a lot of those things. So um, Nancy and I at that time, we just felt really that God was convicting us, and we finally decided to do something about it. So, Well, feeling God's call to simplify our lives, we decided to take the first step of obedience, which meant starting to weed our house out. So I donated things, I sold things, threw things away, and we continued this process over about two years. And at the same time, we started looking for less expensive housing. But everything we looked at, condos, townhomes, didn't seem to reduce our monthly expenses. Um, So we just continued to pray. And then one night, we were having dinner at Toby's on the Lake in Oakdale. And we noticed a mobile home park across the lake. And my wonderful husband suggested that maybe we should live in a mobile home. Now, um, to fully understand my answer, <laughs> you, <laughs> you have to know that we uh, were living in a big, beautiful home that we had just fully redecorated for the first time in 20 years. So I crossed my arms, and I leaned forward, and I said something really spiritual. I said, you can take that mobile home idea and put it up where the sun don't shine. She was referring to the attic, up in the attic. <laughs> They don't get any sunshine up there. There's no windows, so it was a good idea, really, yeah. Well, during dinner, I calmed down and agreed to check it out after dinner. So there were a few homes that were actually... four glasses of wine to get her to that point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there were a few um, homes that were right on the lake, and um, one happened to be for sale. And we called the number, and the realtor told us, he said, I just put that sign in the window there. But he agreed to come over, and we walked in, and after about 30 seconds, my husband turned to me with eyes as big as saucers, and he goes, could you live here? And I said, can I redecorate? And and he said, yes, you can. And so he turned to the realtor, and I'll never forget it. He goes, we'll take it. And um, 
for anyone that knows my husband, he's a very conservative man, never makes rash decisions, and so this was completely uncharacteristic for him. But really, we both knew when we walked in that it was God's perfect plan for mm -hmm. us. So the reason I tell you this is because um, I want to encourage you to consider options that are outside the box and things that may, at first glance, seem a little crazy. So our, holds, our home, home sold in seven weeks, and when all was said and done, we had reduced our possessions by about 80%. Wow, wow, excellent. Um, so in, here, amen. so in, in this case, uh, you know, it sounds like you're kind of saying, well, don't jump to the conclusion that may be an apartment. Maybe it's something else. Um, and because um, it sounds like you guys don't really have an end game. You just felt like, okay, the Holy Spirit's doing something here. So you start moving in a direction. And, and that's really, I think, a crucial principle. Uh, you know, don't jump to some conclusion about where you're going to end up. Just start moving in that direction. Because I imagine if two years earlier someone had suggested you moving into a mobile home, you might not have been uh, very open to it. Uh, in fact, you weren't open to it two years later, but uh, God does a miracle. But, you know, so, so you grow into it. You move into kind of a trajectory and start unloading stuff. Doesn't it feel good to unload stuff? It does. Oh, Shelly and I are just like so. dumping left and right, like this, you know, throwing it off the Titanic. Yeah. It's amazing the crap you accumulate. Oh, yep. amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Clutter. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. felt so much lighter and just had so much more time and energy mm -hmm. for other things, people, and serving the Lord. And we moved my mom to town a couple years okay, ago. Okay, so it freed you up to do some mm -hmm. stuff that you hadn't been exactly. able to do before? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, in fact, the day that we, we signed all the closing papers, we were debt-free. And we had reduced our monthly expenses by 75%. So wow. we were feeling really relieved, and we were really thankful for God of that. Mm -hmm. so, but that wasn't the end of the story, though. Uh, you know, just about a couple months after closing, I got laid off from my job of 29 years. And uh, I, I could have been really uh, kind of miserable about that, but I wasn't because throughout this whole process, we had really learned that, that God was preparing the way, way for us and, and kind of was taking care of us. Mm -hmm. So in fact, instead of looking for another job, God actually led me to go back to school to become a marriage counselor which is uh, a passion that I have, and I volunteered at church here for the last seven or eight years. So uh, wow. with our reduced expenses, I've been able to go back to school full-time without having to work. Oh, wow. So that's been a real blessing. So that was two Amen. and a half Amen. years Amen. ago. That's good. Yeah. So, so, I mean, just, so, and this isn't uh, for everybody. This is, this is not a formula or whatever, but, but it's something, we're just throwing out possibilities that God may lead you to. But in this case, I mean, the price you were paying for that, that, that oversized home was not just the money because, I mean, you really can be strapped. It can be a you know, ball and chain around you because in this case, you might have been stuck in an in a, uh, occupation that you really wasn't your, your, your passion, right. your greatest desire, but you could never get free to uh, look at other options mm -hmm. because you had to make the house payments and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So it just uh, provides a lot of freedom. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, thanks for sharing that. Really... Uh, Appreciate that, and glad we had a chance to talk at Subway. So you got up here. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Anyone else want to add anything to this uh, first question? Yeah, if we could just go back to the question itself. It's, uh, I thought the way that they worded this question, and I don't know if a lot of you have this question, but the way that they worded it specifically, would it be foolish to consider this moving into an apartment? And then the end of the question was them being worried about their kids, uh, their son and daughter who are used to the backyard, used to the pets and that kind of stuff. And uh, I think the only thing that would be foolish in this situation wouldn't be moving into the apartment. It would be not bringing the kids into that situation and letting them be a part of that decision. I don't know how old their kids were, um, so if they're three, that's not going to work. But um, if you've got kids that are a little bit older and can understand, um, 
I, I think that, uh, I know growing up with myself, I had parents that didn't have any money, was raised by a single mom, and so I always knew what our finances were because it was always nothing. But uh, <laughs> most... See those little most, goose eggs, Brad? That's yeah, us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> most kids have no idea what their parents' financial situation is. And Greg's talked about the last couple of weeks, especially last week, your impression of Gollum was spot on, by the way, uh, are precious and how we don't want to share that with anybody. Yeah, (laughs) Do that again. Precious. Uh, (laughs) That's more like Yoda, though, isn't it? Kind of (laughs) broken. That's why we all come to Woodland Hills. but not wanting to share that with anybody else. And if you're the husband or the wife and you're the one that controls the finances, typically you're not even sharing it with your spouse, let alone your kids. Most of our kids have no idea what our financial situation is. And so that if you don't tell them and you have to move into an apartment, of course you're gonna be frustrated. Uh, but there's no reason to bring them, not bring them in on that situation. I mean, I've, all through high school, they don't teach you about this stuff. They don't teach you how to balance a checkbook. They don't teach you how to, to do any of this. And then you go to four years of college and they don't teach you how to do any of this. And then you get out and you have student loans and all this stuff and you're supposed to expect it to, to walk out into the real world mm-hmm. and know how to run your finances uh, and you just have no clue. Okay. Um, I think it's perpetuating the problem if we don't bring them into that situation all and right. uh, let them be a part so of it. So in appropriate situation. ways, bring, bring the rest of the family. I mean, break that whole my precious mindset where we guard everything with this, this absolute secrecy and in appropriate ways, uh, let uh, uh, the family in on. Maybe that's one of the reasons why our kids tend to, you know, think of some of us anyways as sort of walking ATM machines. Because uh, right. they just haven't got a grip on the value of money and, and uh, the, fin- the finitude of money. money. It's limited. Well, and who knows? Maybe the kids will actually be very excited about it because maybe that means the parents don't have to work as much and they can be home more. And frankly, that's all your kids want is your attention. Yeah. You know, they want you to spend time with them. And so they, it sounds to me like they haven't asked. And maybe I'm judging. Maybe they already did talk to their kids about this. But, man, you might bring it up to them. They might, you know, that sounds like a wonderful idea. We would love to have you home more often or whatever Excellent. it may be. So. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, Next I was going to add, too, that... Um, we didn't have children at home at the time when we did this, but we do have two grandchildren and two on the way. <laughs> and um, God provided a very creative solution for us because there's a park right next door and there's a park right in our park. And then we're right on a lake so the kids can swim. And so how creative of our Lord to provide yeah. such a wonderful solution for All us. Right. You, lose, you lose a little bit of space in the house, but you make up for it in other ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just got to be creative. Excellent. Okay, so number two. We have six questions we're going to get through in the next 20 minutes, maybe. Um, my husband and I have made some poor decisions and have a number of debts. Welcome to America. They are feeling overwhelmed. Uh, we feel it's overwhelming, though, and we're not great with finances to start with. Where do we even start? How do you begin? I mean, sometimes it feels like you're looking at Mount Everest. You got this debt, and, and uh, you, know, you get deflated. You can't even start. So they're asking... Where do you start? Mary, would you like to weigh in on this one first? I would like to weigh in on this one. That's a great question, and a lot of us find ourselves in that very situation. And with this family, it's, it's hard to know if, um, you know if the wife is able to go back to work. There's two ways to look at it when you have a lot of debt. You either need to increase your income or decrease your spending. Those are the two ways you can do it. So let's talk about the increased income, and let's assume maybe the wife can go back to work. Um, so it's not just, there's some cost involved in that, and that's what you have to look at. There's a cost of, of uh, going to work, you know, you need new clothes, you need to have money for lunches, maybe you need to pay childcare, um, you know, parking, all those kinds of things you need to factor in. And as Brad was just talking about, it's not just the financial cost, but there's an emotional cost, there's the stress factor, there's the cost of being away from your family. So all those things you kind of have to pull together and say, you know, is it really worth it? 
So that's one side of the spectrum. The other side is, can we decrease spending? And most of us look at our budgets and we say, no way, I don't have any wiggle room in my budget. But when we do the good sense classes, we find out that people really do have some wiggle room in their budgets. And we start looking at things like entertainment or going out to eat or what economists call that latte factor. And we find <laughs> that we can, we can pull a little bit of money. Sometimes we end up with 50 or $100 or even more that can be generated to start paying off debt. And once you start doing that, it really starts to make an impact. So those are two ways of looking at it. Okay, so start by getting real with uh, your finances. Yep. You know, I mean, find out how much you have coming in. How can you maybe increase that? Get real with how much is going out. Because a lot of people don't know that. And, and ask what can we uh, cut uh, corners there. Absolutely. Start with baby steps. Yep. All right. I, go ahead. And uh, one other thing is uh, families could possibly move in together, share resources. They could uh, really cut their, their uh, costs in half. Ah. And uh, I know it's not really embraced by our culture, but it would it also build community along with that. And just one other comment on how we, th how we think about resources. In uh, John Ortberg's book, When the Game's Over, All the Pieces Go Back in the Box, he made a great analogy. He said, um, we would never go to a motel, <clears throat> motel 6 and spend our life savings on fixing the room up because it's a temporary solution. And I think it's easy to get caught in the trap of thinking about our resources and um, spending them all on what's temporary. Huh. Okay, so that's a little bit more of a radical uh, uh, approach, but it's certainly something we're thinking about. Like, how can you share resources with others in your community, even to the point of possibly moving in together? Um, you know, one of the things that, that's interesting is that, that uh, our houses today, the average house, and we're in a lot of different situations here, and some folks don't have houses, so you know, it's never going to address the whole crowd of uh, everyone who's listening, but that the average homeowner's house now is about 40% bigger than it was back in the 1950s. And we've just acclimated our expectations about size and what we need uh, and, and, and things of that sort. Where if, if you put that in a historical context, it's, it's bizarre how much space we have compared to people around the world today. You heard some folks from Haiti earlier about they've got 12 people living in uh, you know, a two-room little house. And that's maybe exceptional in terms of its smallness because of this catastrophe. But by historic standards, our houses are mansions. And do we really need all of that? You look at, you know, uh, even in the, uh, the average home in the 17th and 16th century here, and then go back to the time of Jesus, and they're very, they're like efficiency apartments, and they'd have six or seven kids living there. Now, we don't want to maybe go back to that point, but to ask the question, can we bring some uh, other folks in on our life? Uh, 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 I am, uh, our small groups are beginning to ask this question, can we consolidate more our living space and share resources, share mortgages? And, and things of that sort, it's certainly worth something to, to pray about and to look into. Well, I think to bring that down to a level, if you don't own a home or that's not an option for you, uh, there's other ways, obviously. I think that uh, one of the things Mary and I have realized by teaching the Good Sense class, which we'll continue to plug that because uh, it's our <laughs> ministry here at Willen Hills to help people, but uh, um, is that people look at their own budget and they don't see any room. Uh, they don't see any wiggle room. They don't see a way out, so to speak. Um, and my first piece of advice is just to fire yourself from running your own finances. Um, <laughs> You're fired, me. Yeah. I, uh, Good, yeah. I, I do this for a living, and my wife and I have fired me uh, from doing our finances. Well, my wife fired Great me. Great personal but, plug there for uh, your own uh, yeah. business, by the way. Well, here's the deal. It, it's, so easy, it's so easy to look somebody else's situation and help them, sure. and it's so hard to look at your own. Uh, it's impossible to be objective about your own situation. You're always subjective. There's emotions tied behind every single dollar that you have. 
No matter how hard it was to get it or how easy it was to get it, there's emotions tied to it. And so I don't care if it's your neighbor. I don't care if it's your, your spouse who's never helped you out with the finances before. Find somebody to help you. Get an objective opinion to look in from the outside and say, this is what I see. Um, because a lot of us look at our budget and like, gosh, there's just nothing here. I don't know what to do. And then, again, in good sense, we see this all the time. And it's like, well, we turn the paper back around. It's like, well, Comcast bills 180 bucks a month, 150 bucks a month. That could go. And then, yeah, exactly. People are like, what? Take away the food first. You cannot have cable and internet? That's possible? Um, But think about that. That's $150 a month. And even if you're making $30 an hour, which is a lot, in my opinion, that's five hours of work. Plus, you're going to watch more on TV inherently if you have cable. So you're taking time away from your family. Now you have to work an extra five hours a week. What is that truly costing you? Um, This crazy thing called a cell phone that 10 years ago didn't exist, um, other than Zach Morris on Saved by the Bell. But... Now we all have them, and I just don't under, people just don't understand and fathom how in the world you would ever live without this thing. Yet, 10 years ago, we didn't have them. You had to actually be at home for, speaking of cell phones. Uh, you actually had cell phones at the present time. You actually had to be at home for somebody to get a hold of you. Um, so Now they final, get a hold of you right in the middle of church. I mean, Final point there, yeah. Crying out loud, what's this culture coming to? Uh, the final point there is You're just that... You're going to smash the uh, cell phone in about two minutes, yeah. Um, have somebody else help you out with this. Uh, the thing that I tell people all the time is perception That's defines good. reality. Perception defines reality. If your perception is I have to have cable, your reality is you have to have cable. Does that make sense? You'll feel that way, yeah. So help somebody, have somebody else help you define uh, a reality for you and not just use your own perceptions. Uh, here again, you know, as I said last week, we've been brainwashed, systematically and intentionally brainwashed through the media and many other uh, means to, to get us to feel as though our wants were needs. And just know that that's part of the matrix we live in and we need to help one another wake up out of the matrix. Especially if you can get somebody who's in community with you, who knows your values and knows that you want to aspire to be a kingdom person, to just ask them, will you help us? You know, you know, tell me what you see here and, um, and, and invite others to speak into your, your situation. All right, excellent, excellent. Uh, let's go to the third question here. Uh, we've already kind of addressed this, but, but uh, it says, the debt we owe on our house is overwhelming. Uh, it feels like the one hurdle that keeps us from the stewardship we long for. Is it wrong to allow your house to go back to the bank? That's a nice way of, of saying uh, foreclosure. And maybe with that, declaring bankruptcy and things of that sort. I, I spoke a little bit about this last week, by the way. If this is a question that you're wrestling with, bankruptcy, foreclosure, and whatnot, I encourage you to listen to uh, that, that, that message. Let me just say this, and then I'll turn over to my distinguished panel. Um, but as I mentioned last week, uh, we've got this thing in our culture that is foreclosure and bankruptcy. And part of that, the purpose of that is to ensure that the, uh, the lender and the borrower both share some of the risk that's inherent in capitalism. Uh, in, in times past, it used to be that the, the borrower uh, would, would uh, absorb all of the cost of the risk. So if they defaulted, uh, they could be thrown into debtor's prison and their family uh, uh, kind of virtually sold into slavery. Um, and so the, it was to the advantage of the lender to just make these outrageously risky loans, even knowing that people couldn't pay them back because then you'd have you know, slaves who would, who would virtually pay you back. So that was wrong. And so we put this thing in place uh, to make sure that both parties understand the risk involved. And that gets factored into the, the, the interest that they charge and, and the fees and, and stuff like that. So I, if you're in a position where you absolutely cannot pay the mortgage without 
making your family you know, destitute and, and thrown out on the street and things of that sort, then I, I think that, that taking advantage of that safety net, I mean, you shouldn't feel guilty about that. But having said that, I think it is really incumbent on a kingdom person, as I said last week, to let your yes be yes and your no be no and to live straight and to honor your vows as much as possible. If it's at all realistically feasible for you to pay back this uh, mortgage, then you should do that. It may mean you have to modify some things and be creative, whatever, but, but if at all possible, pay that back. If it's not possible, uh, then there is that safety net available and you shouldn't feel, don't go beating yourself up over the fact that you need to take advantage of that. Yeah. On, top, on top of that, there's, that's kind of the bookends of the spectrum. One, paying your mortgage and just being on time. And the other end of the spectrum is the bankruptcy or foreclosure. Uh, there are middle grounds. Uh, there are other things that you can do, uh, and I'm not going to spend time talking about those because they're just confusing and all that kind of stuff, and the banks purposely make them confusing so you don't know how to do it. Uh, but we have resources for those things uh, at the Hub. So I encourage all of you after the service uh, to go to the Hub and check that out. Um, to come back to the point that Sue made, uh, living together is another option if you've got foreclosure, uh, just to drive that home. Again, it's countercultural here. Uh, in fact, we make fun of cultures that do this. Um, we're so individualistic here, but... Uh, the other thing is, and actually my wife just pointed this out to me, uh, there's a board that we have out uh, against this back wall uh, of people that are, one, looking for roommates, and people, you could also post on there if you need a roommate. So if you, if you are open to the idea of sharing expenses with somebody and uh, splitting your, your mortgage with somebody or something to that effect, um, and just don't know. Who? Mm -hmm. uh, who? In fact, I had somebody come up to me after the first service and say, that sounds great, but I just don't know anybody I could live with. There's people that need somebody to live with. Um, and you can, so again, use those resources that we have here at Woodland Hills, that board's, again, right up against this back wall, uh, and check out the hub as well. So. That's the community board. And at the hub, we also have some uh, handouts to, uh, that we, we gave some of them last week, and we have some more this week, uh, to help you with all these sorts of things, uh, budgeting and, and, and whatnot, resources that are available. Anyone Can I add, add something to that? As um, most of us, you know, a lot of us find ourselves being really house poor, which means we're living to support our house, basically. And in this economy, a lot of us are even upside down in our mortgages. Um, but there Can you is, explain what that means, upside down? Upside down means you owe more on your house than what it's worth because the houses have depreciated in value in the last couple of years, as we've all seen. Um, so there are some programs available that you don't have to be behind on your mortgage to qualify for. There's certain criteria, but you can have your mortgage you know, modified, which means you just do a different interest rate and a lower payment to stretch it out or whatever. So make sure that you look at the, the resources that are back there and uh, check it out because it might be really helpful for your situation. Excellent. Um, okay, just to keep this uh, panel on their toes because it's the third time we've talked about this, I'm going to mix it up a little bit. Dan, I'm mixing it up. Uh, I want to go and talk about cars, because that's when we had to kind of, you know, shortchange last time. What's the best way to buy a car? Uh, should you take out a loan to get a new car with a warranty? Uh, should you buy an older car, but then you may have to pay for repairs on it? And what about leasing? Is leasing a good idea? Sue, would you start us off on that one? In general, um, it's the best option to not buy a new car. It depreciates the moment you take it off the lot. And it's e if you've taken out a loan, it's easy to quickly owe more on the car than it's worth. Um, and with a used car, you, if you, you can, um, once you're done paying for it, you could continue to make the payments to your savings account. And when you come to buy the next car, at least you have some money or maybe the full amount to pay for the next car so you're not in debt for the, for the following car. In general, with leasing, um, if you own a business, sometimes it's a good idea because it's a write-off, but in general, Again, you're left with nothing at the end of the lease. 
So it's kind of like just renting a car and you're not really getting any equity for it. Exactly. So your second suggestion is buy, uh, buy a used car uh, where it's not going to depreciate, at least not as quickly. And uh, then when, when you pay that off, just keep on paying yourself so you can save up for the next car. Now, there's a novel idea. Uh, what if you actually bought the car and, and didn't take a loan out for it? We have this assumption that everything's got to go on loan. Okay, so uh, uh, that's good. So, uh, like, how much does a car, a new car, you go out and buy this nice, nice car, how much does it depreciate when you drive it off the lot? About 20%. Okay. So on a $20,000 car, that's, what, 4000 Yeah? <laughs> okay, just by getting it off the lot. Head. <laughs> All right, so think about that. Anyone else want to add? Brad? Well, some of them are more and some of them are less, obviously. I mean, the more expensive car you buy, the more it depreciates. Uh, you walk into the Cadillac dealership and drive your brand new car around the block and bring it back, and they're going to give you about half of what you paid for it. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, the thing with leasing to keep in mind is even if you don't own a small business, you can lease a car, but uh, they sound really good at the front end, but there's always a lot of gotchas there. Like if you uh -huh. go over your miles, they really <laughs> ding you at the end of it. If you have kids that like to spill Kool-Aid on your mats, they're going to charge you for that. Uh, if you get in an accident during the time that you have the car, they're going to charge you for that. So um, that's something to keep in mind. The that, fine print. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, the other the novel in idea, the details. That, just, to, just to drive home, is uh, one of the things that we teach in the Good Sense Ministry is uh, this, this perception that we have here in America that debt is expected and unavoidable. That's just what you do. When you buy a home, you just get a mortgage. And when you buy a car, you just take out a loan. I, don't, I honestly believe that there's some people that don't even know that you can pay cash for a car. They, they just expect that it's like, yeah, I want this one. Okay, where's the, where's the loan guy? That's the next step, right? Um, they will let you do that. Um, it's kind of crazy, but they will literally let you walk in there and pay for it, um, and you don't have to finance it. So uh, the, the, idea of buying a used, I know, the idea of buying a used car, and then once that car payment is done, not to take that, that $200 or $100 or $500, whatever it was, and put it in your pocket and say, now I get to go on vacation or something like that, but to continue to save that so that the next car that you buy, you can actually pay for, and now you don't have payments. So. Well, one thing a lot of people don't, don't think about, because we're so used to debt, that's just sort of the norm, is that it costs more to buy things on, on credit than it does to buy things outright. Uh, on average, uh, I, you know, I've never asked this question before, so I have no idea if anyone's going to be able to answer it. But if I buy a car uh, uh, with cash, um, how much cheaper is it than if I were to buy it on a five-year uh, loan? Well, obviously, it depends on your interest rate. Um, but if you were to take out, just rough numbers, if you were to buy a $20,000 car and you're going to pay 5% interest, you're going to end up paying about $25,000, $27,000 for that car. So it costs a lot of money. I mean, look at your credit card statements. Uh, there's a new legislation that's passed. If you have credit cards, I don't know if you know this or not, that on your statement, they have to put on there, what if, if, it, if you made your minimum payments, how long it's going to take you to pay that off? It's usually like 30 years. Uh, <laughs> and if you have like $10,000 of debt, it's going to cost you like 34. Um, but then they have to tell you, if your minimum payment's 84, what if you make a payment of 100? What's that going to do? Um, and it usually knocks it down to like seven years. And you end up paying like on the 10, like 14. Mm -hmm. And it's only 20 bucks difference. Um, it's the same thing with cars. So great, Shelly and I do that. Where we, we, we pay an extra, um, how much how, how we can afford? Usually one or two hundred dollars on our mortgage, mm -hmm. and and it goes right against the principal. Yeah, and it's amazing uh, over a year, two years, five years, how much that cuts off uh, the whole mortgage. One extra one extra mortgage payment a year cuts a thirty-year mortgage into fifteen years. Wow! Mm -hmm. So if you have a thousand-dollar mortgage payment every year, and you make That's one additional payment, it goes from thirty to fifteen years. Dang, think about that. Can I add something here? You may. The, the thing that we're talking about here is, this is hard sometimes to hear, but you know what? We're talking about sacrificing now for a future benefit. So when we're paying off things early or we're saving money now for a car that we might buy in five years, um, we're, we're 
we're being disciplined. We're taking away some of the, mm -hmm. the you know, the fun and the whatever we could do now to have a benefit later on. And it's, it's really a biblical principle. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's just saying no to ourselves all the time and saying, I can do this. I can save for something and, you know, pay cash for it or whatever. So we know it's countercultural, but you know what? We can do it. Mm -hmm. It's totally countercultural. Remember, I, I talked about the, the essence of capitalism is this idea of credit where instead of, you know, paying for it now, you borrow from the future uh, to have, you know, more than you can afford now in hopes that you'll be able to pay for it later on. Uh, and we're saying the biblical principle is to, as much as possible, go upstream on that. Okay, let's go to this question. Um, uh, I'm in a small group that's been together for a while, and we want to take additional steps to live our lives in a more connected way, and maybe a more uh, financially efficient way. Can somebody up there offer us some advice? I can offer some advice. Okay, just, <laughs> since you're the small group specialist, why don't you speak into this? Um, first, I'd like to give a plug for um, Good Sense for small groups. So if there's any small groups out there that are interested in this sermon series, there's a six-week um, series here that the church has that you can go through. How often do you offer that? Uh, this is a book that they can get from oh, the church. Oh, it's a book. Okay. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> I thought it was a course. <laughs> Um, so there's a few things that our small group has done. Um, one is that we had someone who had a medical emergency in our group. They ended up with quite a few medical bills, and the group was able to come together and pay those medical bills off. Um, the last two summers, we've done summers of service, where our whole group comes together, and we go to each person's home um, weekly, and we do whatever projects need to be done around the house, so your landscaping, painting, whatever. And it's a great way to really build community within the group. Mm -hmm. And um, it also, the neighbors really notice, so it opens up some great conversation. And I think it's a way to really see the kingdom in a, in a tangible way. We uh, also share things amongst ourselves, you know, tools and yard equipment, whatever. And I know of another small group where someone was unemployed, they paid their mortgage. Um, after the person got a job, they were able to get on their, back on their feet pretty quickly and they paid the small group back um, the amount that they were given. And uh, finally, I know of a small group that's been together about two or three years, and they take an offering each week. They just put the offering bucket on their snack table, and everyone contributes as they feel led. And on a quarterly basis, they use that money for uh, various different things. They've used it like to throw a birthday party for homeless kids. They've used it to buy gifts at Christmas time for a family that was unable to buy gifts. They've bought groceries for families in crisis. So it's really, um, I think it's an easy thing to do for small groups, no matter how long they've been together. Okay, so your advice to this person would be to, I mean, just start asking a question. How can you share resources? You don't have to move in together right away, maybe next year. But right now you start by saying, you know, let's pool some money together to do ministry together. Or, or uh, uh, what do we have that we can share? Why does everyone have to have everything? Uh, you know, are there things that we can, you know, uh, uh, borrow from one another? I, Shelly and I went down to one car. Uh, a couple of years ago, and it's a, it's a junker, it's paid for, we got one hubcap on it, uh, but it, it's, it's amazing how freeing that is, because you don't have to care about anything. People run into me, literally, and, and I'm okay with it. It's like, you know, as long as it keeps running. It, it, it's beautiful. I mean, it's just so freeing to not have to worry about that. You got a nice car, you got to worry about it. It's all stress. Why would you want that? So, uh, you know, we drive that around. We got one car, but we've got friends who've got other cars, so we just mooch. And just call them up, hey, you know, can we borrow your car? I got to go someplace or whatever. And, and, and we, we live close enough in proximity so I can walk over there. And they borrow stuff from us, you know, and, and it's just about sharing. And that is, 
uh, you know, the, the ultimate, in the book of Acts, they had all things in common. And we're not there yet, but, but you want to start inching in that direction, sharing life, sharing time, sharing money, sharing resources. It's amazing the, the cost that that can save as well. Anyone else want to comment on that? I think we, we pretty much covered it. All right. Okay, I want you to take this stuff to heart. Uh, and we just skipped the surface here of, of uh, some of the, the, the stuff that you can uh, explore uh, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to, to, to increase our imaginations, to envision different ways of doing life so that we're not locked into the one that's been downloaded into our brains since we were little kids about how Americans are supposed to live. Uh, we, we need to be letting the Bible to inform us you know, on, on the lifestyle we're to adopt and the communities that we're to be involved in. And so uh, you know, the, the stuff that was said here, uh, some of it will land, some of it doesn't. Uh, you know, applies to some people in one way and not, not to another way. There's no real formulas here, but there are principles, important principles, that we need to really be internalizing. If we're going to be a people who look different when it comes to this bondage of money, uh, you know, we want to surrender every area of our life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I, for many of us, the hardest area is money because there's such strongholds around that. So we need, to, we, we need to be very intentional about this, letting others come in and speak into our life and to live life in a more frugal way that we have more time, more energy, uh, more peace, uh, and more resources available for the kingdom. I want to close in prayer, and I want to ask the... Great. Hey, first of all, can we... What? <laughs> I want to talk about the Good Sense course. Oh, oh the, go for we're it. Doing, we're doing the budget course on April 11th and April 18th. You can choose to come to either one of those. And it's, it's actually a debt reduction class, but you can find out in there if, you're, if you want to reduce debt, if you want to find ways to um, raise up extra money to put in a, an emergency fund for savings or you know, even start saving for that car that you're going to buy in like five years, um, we'll help you. Come to the class. You can sign up at the Hub afterwards and for either one care, of those correct. days. We have child care? And we have child care for that. Does it well. cost money and can I charge it? It is totally free. <laughs> <laughs> I was like kidding. No boom. charging. <laughs> All right, I'm going to pray. Thanks for uh, 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 reminding us of that. You might want to take advantage of uh, those, those courses. Uh, I'm going to close in prayer. I'd like to ask the prayer team to come up here. And if you have any need whatsoever you'd like to have prayed for, come on up and pray with these folks. Or the altar is just open if you want to just come and, and you and God get together and uh, pray about some things. So, Father, as we leave this place, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would seal on our hearts what we need to remember to take on the beast, this very, very subtle uh, but erosive beast, and uh, uh, to free us to have your wisdom and your priorities, to wake up to the ways and maybe which we've been imprisoned, and the enemy has succeeded to suck joy and relationships and peace and effectiveness out of our life. Holy Spirit, seal what we need to learn as we leave this place and seek to bring every area of our life, including our finances, under your loving lordship, and in Jesus' name, all God's people said. God bless you guys. Go out and build a kingdom. Hey, let's give a warm thank you to our panel here. Good job, you guys.